Hey campers, welcome to the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Texas is a different place. There are tons of examples as to how it is different, but to me the most important one is our love for and promotion of music. What's fascinating is that our state government understands that as well and actually formed an office within the state government of Texas to promote the Texas music brand. Based on my research and talking with our guests today, there's no other state in the U.S. that has an office of music that promotes music and the economy that it builds. Brendan Anthony, the director of the Texas Music Office, is our guest today. His organization promotes Texas music, the network of people and companies that build the music economy, and could very well help you in building a career in the Texas music industry. So hey, put on your boots, grab a shiner, and listen in on how the state of Texas promotes the world of music. yippee ki Amy, get us started. This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? Campers, do you know how important music is to the state of Texas? It's important enough that there's a Texas music office within the state's office of the Governor's Economic Development and Tourism Division. The state understands that music is an important part of the Texas brand and of tourism. I did a search in other state governments for music offices such as this. I only found a couple, and I think we're going to find out that this, this one is very different from any others that exist. So, Because I'm here with Brendan Anthony, the director of Texas Music Office. He's here today. Uh, he's up from Austin. Muddy, my co-host, and Chocolate Lab has handed the microphone to Brendan. And Maureen Womack, my friend and marketing advisor from Rabbit Hat Marketing, helped foster this meeting. So I'm a, thank Maureen. As always, I'm indebted to you. So, hell, let's just get the show going. Thank Welcome, you. Brendan, to the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. I'm glad to be here. Thanks yeah. so much for having me. You got, Absolutely. This is great. Hey, before we dig into some of the specifics, can you give us an overview of the Texas Music Office? Yeah, I'll try to give you the sort of postage stamp view. So it's about a 30-year-old office. Like you said, it's housed within economic development. It was just moved there by Governor Abbott in 2015 as a way to sort of reshift its priorities from purely promotion and resource tools to uh, actively working on economic development strategies and programs. I was appointed in 2015. My predecessor was there basically from the, the beginning. You know, the Texas Music Office seeks to promote the Texas music industry as a whole, its cultural impact. We serve as ambassadors for um, the Texas music industry when we travel, and uh, we seek to support it at the state legislature to translate its needs and concerns to those folks so that we can create programs that better serve our industry at home. Yeah, I, I, I saw that you do put on some miles. I think one of your counterparts or one of the people on your staff, Mark Fort, was in Sweden doing a presentation yeah. once. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We do some traveling. Yeah. So can you break down the different facets? Because in going to your website and looking at it, I mean, there's a ton of stuff. I mean, one is the business development piece. So maybe we should start there. Yeah, sure. Happy to start there. So we decided to take a pretty good whack at uh, creating a more sustainable um, industry uh, infrastructure here in, in the state. What that means is attracting more bedrock, uh, wealth-creating, uh, income-creating businesses in the state. We've been a live music economy 
uh, for generations, which is great. We'll continue to be that. But we need to make a more concerted effort to um, create a community around uh, businesses that serve as some of the key relationships in artist portfolios. Uh, those are PROs, publishing, various uh, placement organizations, that sort of thing. So our business development uh, initiatives focus on those for now. Those are the first uh, targets on our dartboard, and uh, we're working to bring, bring groups like PROs to uh, the state to have a more permanent uh, presence here. That'll be a goal we'll continue to work on. We bring uh, businesses interested in moving to Texas. We, we try to make that uh, runway as smooth as humanly possible for them find ways to plug them into the community and make sure that they're, um, you know, working with others to create a, a tighter knit community wherever they decide to land, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think one of the fascinating we were talking about before the interview started was um, hand-drawn records, hand-drawn yeah. pressing. Uh, that, to me, is like a beautiful role model, I mean, because there weren't many pressing companies, vinyl pressing companies, or, or they were basically all the old guys were here. And here, these guys come along and create something. And I think you mentioned there's another one coming down in Austin. Yeah, and we love Handron. They're a fantastic company. And uh, we did work to bring a company out of California called Gold Rush Vinyl to Austin. They're a pressing plant similar to, uh, to Handron. Yeah, it's just one of uh, many companies we tried to lure away. They're filling a, a huge void in, in the vinyl press business. Uh, nationally. Yeah, one of the things that Dustin Blocker, the chief creative officer mm -hmm. for a lot of developing artists, they're not going to create a ton of, ton, ton of vinyl records. So they need maybe 500, something like that. And he can respond quickly and get those out there. But then now also he mentioned that like Nashville's turning to him all the time. So this is a nice feather in the cap for us, I think. Yeah, well, I think everyone's sort of taken in the business has sort of taken note at vinyl's resurgence. And so then as resurgence comes, the need comes so for comes production money. and, so comes and, money. and money. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, more of these um, releases involve vinyl releases. And a lot of those indie labels and uh, in some majors were finding it really difficult to uh, make those sync up with their record release timelines. And so having folks who can turn around smaller batches more quickly is uh, vital. And that's where Handron comes in and Gold Rush comes in and some others, uh, for sure. We're glad to have those in the state. We want as much production here in the state as humanly possible. Absolutely. Are there any other targets that you have on the top of your list that you can share with us? Maybe not the name of the company, but the type of company and what they would bring. Yeah. I mean, I think performance rights organizations are at the top of the list. I think that they're, for a lot of reasons, they need a, a stronger presence in the state. Uh, there's an education component that goes around what they do for a living. And a lot of that is licensing to venues and restaurants and bars and that sort of thing. Uh, and having a more personal touch as they approach those businesses who need to pay into the ecosystem so songwriters get paid. Uh, is right. vital in our opinion. But from a creative perspective as well, having artists and songwriters start their relationships with them here versus having to move to Nashville to form them uh, makes it more likely that those artists will stay and form meaningful parts of their businesses in the state. And so we want to encourage folks to build a bedrock part of their business here. They're you know welcome to leave, of course, and many will, but we'd yeah. like to have them here longer and form more uh, those sort of early important relationships here in the state. And really expand the Texas, the Texas music brand is already big. Yeah, I mean it's really big, but I, I think this could strengthen it. And Nashville gets a lot of press, and LA gets a lot of press, Austin gets a lot of press, but mm -hmm. Dallas is a damn good city on the music scene. No, absolutely, it's undeniable. Yeah, in, in fact, I don't. Are you seeing the same? We've got concert halls and theaters popping up left and right over the last last year. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing that all across the state, or is Dallas kind of ahead of that a little bit? 
I'm actually seeing it all over the place. I mean, Dallas has done a fantastic job, and you look at places like the Kessler and its its aid in the resurgence of Oak Cliff. Yes, I mean that is a prime example of you know a guy in Edwin Cabanus who decided to you know put a stake in the ground and really make something. Yes, and of course he's done that in Houston as well with the Heights. I mean, he's a fine example of someone who's decided to put roots down and really create something that will help a community, help the songwriting and performing community, sure, but also help the community at large. I'm seeing that a lot of places, but those are two incredible examples. You're also, some of the other organizations that you have is the music-friendly community. And I see that Dallas needs to kind of pick up some steam on this, but can you, Fort Worth is involved, Austin's involved, I believe, but on the website it said that Dallas hadn't made a move yet. But yeah, well, this this is a really, really important initiative for us. Um, we had a meeting as soon as I came into office where we pulled together some top decision makers uh, from the music private sector, and we sort of talked through what a real series of programs for the music office would look like, you know, what would really do some good. And one of those, uh, I can't go into all of them, but one of them was creation of a statewide music foundation. Right. That's a very gray term, but what I took it to mean was, and, and what, I, what I've, I've taken the ball and run with is that we need to create sort of a uh, statewide chamber of commerce for the music industry. Ooh, I love it. And what I think that means, how I think that looks, is that uh, communities, uh, large and small, make some very intentional steps towards listening to, measuring, and supporting the community, uh, their music industry community at home. Uh, that will help in very different, various different ways. We ask communities if they want to be certified as music-friendly that they create a music liaison or music office. They sign an MOU with the uh, Memorandum of Understanding with the Texas Music Office in the state, pledging to share data twice annually. And we'll share data back and forth with them. We want them to build up their own databases to help make ours more accurate so we can pr- portray this picture of an accurate economic impact study every two years for, for legislative, legislative session. It's going to give us a really accurate uh, measurement system if those guys uh, get on board and help us. But what it'll do for the communities one by one is immeasurable over time, I think. It really does make a statement that a city's getting firmly behind their commercial music industry. These are industries that really need support uh, and don't traditionally get them from government. No, no, Um, typically not. But this system creates a way for cities to get behind them. Every city has their own set of political challenges, different org charts, etc. Not to bore everyone with bureaucratic details, but it's a unique process to get a certification in each community and city. Yeah, uh, Dallas is well on its way to receiving certification. Good. So Good. Dallas is not dragging its feet in any way, shape, or form. In fact, we had a great meeting with them again today. You know, and I will let them speak to the specifics of their program when the time's right. Dallas is well on its way, and we can't do it without them, frankly. I mean, we cannot have a statewide program without having Dallas involved. We want to build a statewide chamber of commerce for the music industry, and we want to create a council of music officers and liaison who can measure their uh, music industry communities and report those to us, and we can all get together and talk about best practice you know, in many, many different areas, you know, common sense law enforcement, sound or- ordinance enforcement, how uh, the commercial music industry deals with agents of change, yes. uh, growth, how we all get together and, and support our industry community at large. And I think this will pay dividends for many, many years. And we're about two years into that program now. And we've certified uh, Fort Worth, Denton, right. San Antonio, and Austin. And we have many, many more about to come online, communities Good. large and small. It just takes the time it takes. But once we have what I consider to be a quorum, and, and I do have a lot of autonomy in my office to make that decision since we, since we started the program and we're helping to administer it, we'll pull that first meeting together. And I'm hopeful it'll be this year. 
Good. Now, can like can musicians or, or people who run musical businesses, can, will they get involved in that? Or will that pretty much sort of just be city government running it and supervising it? Well, the city is going to set themselves up as a sort of a listening post for those people. Okay. Right. The point is for those people to sort of organize together and to report their issues to this music officer or office or liaison, however it looks in every community, so that that person can translate their concerns to city government. Right. So they can be addressed. Right. So, yes, all those people you mentioned, plus many, many more, need to get engaged in this program. They need to sign up for the databases in their communities, and they need to register with our database as well. It just helps us do a better job of telling their story. Wonderful. Having people reach out and giving you information, you're a phenomenal clearinghouse for information. I I went to the website, and you've got listings for radio stations, musicians, businesses. I didn't notice anything specifically for Texas Music Podcasts, but... I don't think we have a silo for that yet, but you should be listed. Yeah, Yeah. we need to add that, I think. Maybe. But uh, can you tell people a little bit about that and how people can access it, your website and where they go, and it's it's, it's really detailed. Yeah, you know, one of the coolest things about this office is the Texas Music Industry Database, and it's a database of nearly 20,000 listings that people can access to gain information about counterparts in other cities, figure out who's doing what, uh, connect with each other. Most importantly, it can serve a lot of different purposes. If you're a young person starting in the business and need to find contacts to uh, help you find representation or any number of things under under the sun, you can find it there. Or if you're an old hat working and you need to find a contact in Dallas and you live in Austin, you can find it through our site. But we need people to keep their information current. We need people to continue to sign up for the thing. And it takes an awful lot of work on our end to keep it up to date. What the database allows us to do is create, via sampling of that data, accurate economic studies. And so it, it really does serve a dual, dual purpose. Excuse me. It can serve as a network uh, right. tool for folks. It's uh, a resource to connect with one another, but it also lets us tell a story to people who uh, make decisions about how we deal with economic sectors in the state. We have our data broken down by voting districts, House and uh, Senate. We can separate those out for uh, communities, uh, large and small, uh, geolocate them so we can tell an accurate story about what's going on in each of the communities. Folks can use that to garner support from folks who make decisions on their behalf. Very good. Yeah. Then another section was the libraries and archives. I think you've got like 89 organizations in there, or museums and organizations in there. Like one I noticed, there's a Tejano Hall of Fame, right locally here, the Texas Blues Museum. Yeah. And 89 different music music archives and museum locations. I think that number's probably low. I mean, I'd, I'd like for more people to, to sign up. Yeah. I mean, we can only work with the numbers that people give us, so... Yeah. yeah, well, 508 Park, we probably should get 508 Park added to that based upon our conversation a little earlier. Yeah, and my hope is that communities will help us aggregate those things, too. I think I think long term, it's going to be a lot better for communities to help give us that data as well. Well, I noticed in, uh, you've got a great Instagram website. And I noticed Lyle Lovett's promotion of your <laughs> license plates last week or yeah, two weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, right. Yeah, tell them. About, I'm, I'm thinking I might have to get uh, a Texas Music Office license plate. Well, I never leave anywhere where I don't mention the uh, Educational License Grant Program. It's uh, extremely impactful to folks. On the uh, Texas Music Office uh, website, texasmusicoffice.com, there's a section called License Plate Grants, and you can click through that. And for $30, you can purchase a, uh, a license plate. And it goes on your car. It's a real license plate. Oh, uh, yeah. $23 comes directly to a uh, fund that we administer. Uh, people apply. Uh, we vet the applications, and then we award grants. And we do this to give uh, lessons to kids who can't afford them. 
Good. And we do this to put instruments in the hands of kids who need them, who are in transitional environments of all kinds, or kids who just need to continue their education and don't have the funds to do so. Uh, another really fun part is uh, we partner with communities to uh, create uh, music programming in some underserved areas around the state. It's a great program. Uh, it's funded by the license plate purchase, so you can imagine that our funds aren't through the roof. Right. Uh, we recently rebranded and we've uh, quadrupled our sales, but oh, wow. even that's not sustainable because the early adopters will start to trickle off and we need more and more and more people to buy in. So okay. I, I never miss an opportunity to talk about this thing. And you're right. Uh, we've had some tremendous buy-in from Texas music celebrities like Lyle Lovett, uh, who've held the license plate and, and said what a cool thing it is. And uh, if you go to um, Texas music offices, uh, social channels, you can see a ton of folks who have uh, written jingles for it or, you know, taken videos or taken stills and talked about the program. And that's really helped uh, push it along. So where do people go to sign up to get a license plate? Uh, TexasMusicOffice.com. And there's a tab on the right that says uh, Educational uh, License Plate Grants. Okay. And you just click through it, it, takes you directly to the buy page, and you register through the DMV, and you get your plates. And at your website, there's also a news section where you're po- post, uh, publishing press releases and updates on what's going on in the music world of Texas. Well, yeah, and let me use that opportunity to speak to a larger picture thing. Uh, when I came in in 2015, the office was without a social media presence, an appreciable social, social media presence. And so what, one thing we've worked really hard to do over the past three years is to create some really robust messaging from the office, right? We think that in this current day and age, in the music industry and in uh, society at large, that's mostly how people communicate with one another whom they don't know, right? right? So we've worked really hard, and Mark Fort from our office has really taken this in hand, and he's created this very robust uh, social media channel uh, through Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter, and uh, you can follow us on all of those channels. And basically what we do in different ways is we talk about things that are happening all over the state right? Uh, constantly. It's a daily feed of information. We talk about some things we're up to, some things that industry pros from around the state are up to. We're constantly looking for contributions to those things. And so we encourage people to pay attention to them and contribute to them, and we'll post you know, what you're up to. And uh, our numbers of, of engagement are really, really great now. So we have a lot of people paying attention to the office who didn't really know much about it before. Maybe we're unaware of the office or mostly were unaware of things that were happening, say, in El Paso or Houston or anywhere else other than where they lived and worked. Another thing we did, you mentioned the news section, is we created a monthly newsletter that people can sign up for when they visit TexasMusicOffice.com, and they can see what we're up to monthly. So you'll receive a monthly newsletter, usually the first Tuesday of every month, and that will be a recap of what the Texas Music Office did that month. The meetings we took, out-of-office engagement, events we hosted, anything under the sun. And another cool component of it is we've started interviewing uh, industry professionals who've made an impact on Texas music and we share their stories. Wonderful. And we've had some really great folks uh, buy in. Uh, Rupert Neve, Mickey Raphael, Lloyd Maines, Greg Hunt at Rosewood Studios. Uh, The list goes on. Some great people have contributed. And we break those pieces out by story on the website so that if you go to the website news section right now, you can see from when we started the program to today all of these stories broken out by bullet point. So you can see what we've been up to since I came in and we started the newsletter program. And so if anyone ever sort of asks, well, what does the music office do? What are we doing on a daily or weekly or monthly basis? It's all there for them to go search and check. And so we try to be really transparent about what we're doing out in the public. Uh, We spend a lot of time out of the office. I think it's really valuable for us to be amongst the communities that we're trying to support. Absolutely. And so you can see that pretty accurately reflected in the newsletter. 
Well, begs the question: what, what were you doing prior to uh, Governor Greg Abbott finding you? I mean, you've <laughs> obviously you're very well organized. You've you put together a mission statement, a plan, and you're following it through excellently. So, thank you. Give me kind of a lead into how you. Uh, Got this position. Yeah, my long, sad story. All right, so um, I started... Was it sad? <laughs> Hold on, everybody get their tissues out. Not at all. Um, I started playing violin when I was three or four. I played, have played uh, violin or guitar my whole life. After I graduated from Texas A&M in 99, I made it a professional career. I began touring about my sophomore year of college. Oh, did you? I did, and so I toured pretty hardcore for about 15 years, about 200-plus shows a year. Uh, recorded on a ton of records, toured all over the country and uh, some around the world. So I made that a living for about 15 years. Good for uh, you. It was great and uh, really enjoyed it. Loved what I did. Played with some great Texas singer-songwriters. Recorded with a, a ton more. And Were then, you on multiple... You hop- Popping, hopping from band to band, or did you have one lead band that you were? Uh, the main band I was with was Pat Green, and I was with him for about fifteen oh, years. So heck yeah! Played on all his records, and then uh, so mo- you have to play the- golf. Be with Pat Green. I did you? not play golf very well. <laughs> he sure enjoys golf. But I was very fortunate to meet Lloyd Mains when I was about uh, eighteen, and so Lloyd would bring me in to do a bunch of his studio recording, many, many, many records with him. I retired from that life, not from working, but I retired from that life in two thousand ten, the life of touring being gone all the time. Yep. Uh, I had an opportunity to help be a part of a startup in Austin that we helped pull together that was uh, focused on e-commerce and marketing for major artists. Uh, what we did Very was good. we worked with artists like Beyonce, Willie Nelson, many, many others, about 40 marquee artists. and we that's, would, diver- that's diversity. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, they all wanted to sell things. And so we would create these uh, web-based sales platforms that they would integrate into their websites. They would sell all of their merchandise through our platform. And then I would head up uh, Global Fulfillment Logistics. And we had warehouses based in Los Angeles, Dallas, and Heathrow. And we would take orders, help market the merchandise, sell them, and fulfill them. I was doing that when Governor Abbott's transition staff uh, sought me out in 15. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you you had a good name, and they they went looking for you. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I I knew some folks who were working with their transition team and um, who eventually became members of his staff, and they recommended me. So. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Another area, going back to the website, is music trails. Yeah. Amarillo started. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And last year I went, my wife and I went, did a Mississippi blues tour. Yeah. And I mean, there was a great magazine, I would think it's Living the Blues, Living Blues, that gave me all the details on where to go, 10 million places where to go hoping that maybe this is something that will develop over time in what you're putting together because especially with baby boomers and etc there's so much music history in the state of texas i mean you know in each city let alone there's tons of really fascinating places that people can drop by and touch or get in get in sync with what what they're always read about absolutely you're 100 percent right you're hitting on all cylinders there so uh, a member of our office named steve ray has been working on that very project for several years, and he's put together an archive of uh, locations and performers and any, any sort of notable landmark under the sun in Texas. What we didn't have was uh, resource and outside help to actually create one. This last legislative session, a piece of uh, legislation went through that created the Texas Music uh, Trail and partners us with Texas Historical Commission. Ah. So we will begin building that out in earnest with their help. So they've got a lot of resources to create all the brochures and, and video content and those sort of things you need to create something similar to that Mississippi trail you were talking about. Right. So we seek to create a trail that's you know unparalleled, 
Uh, it'll take much, you know, it'll take a lot of time because as you said, you know, where do you start in Texas? It's a huge place right. with landmarks literally all over the place. And so, you know, Steve will, you know, sink his teeth into this like he's always done and he'll work with our friends at Texas Historical Commission and we'll start seeing things come out in the next year or so, hopefully. It's a big undertaking, but I'll it's bet. one that's going to really, I'll it's going to be a really great project for the next several years. Yeah, because I was really impressed with how Mississippi had it structured. It was really nice. Yeah, there's no, and you can't take anything away from what they've done. What we deal with in Texas is a scale issue, and that's just right. something that's yes. really, really, uh, <laughs> it's not insurmountable, but it's a huge task. And so, you know, where do you start? You know, we could start in the uh, Rio Grande Valley and spend the rest of our time there working on that. Right. But we've got to, you know, spread it around. We'll see where they decide to start, but it should be a really cool program. Yeah, when I was... When I worked in my business world, uh, whenever I traveled, if I had extra time, I'd try and figure out some music location to pop by and check out. Yeah, and they're everywhere. Yeah. It's really cool. And we, I mean, I could go on forever about how cool of a state we live in, but really is a piece of it. Give the people a sense of the real—I read the uh, 2017 Economic Impact of, of Music in Texas report that you put together. Don't want to dig down into the depths of it, but give people a sense for the economic impact music has around here. Yeah, and, and let me say this, and I'm really glad you asked about that. So uh, I mentioned at the head of the uh, interview that Governor Abbott had moved the uh, Texas Music Office to the Economic Development Team, which is a really great move on his part, I think. It gave us the opportunity to focus on Texas music uh, as an industry while while we had been focusing on, on it as a cultural component worthy of support, which it absolutely is, taking nothing away from that effort, right. what we're able to do now is reshape the conversation so we can get other folks who maybe don't engage in that other piece, the cultural piece as much, interested in supporting the, the industry as a vital piece of the economy. Right. So when we pulled together that first meeting I spoke about in November of 2015, we created a pattern in which every two years we, we would create this economic impact study. And we use those numbers to do a blind taste test, essentially, between the music industry and other industries that are su- supported by the state. And what we found was that those numbers were extremely impactful. They, they resonated. And before we even started talking about George Strait and Selena and all these other things, we were talking about jobs. And we were talking about you know, creation Excellent. of a solid middle class of music industry professional that we wanted to help support. That's wonderful. And that's a solid reason for us to get up and go to work every single day is to create those jobs, sustain them, and promote them, right? So our new uh, study came out in 17, and essentially, and I'm reading right now because I want to get these numbers correct. Right. I can usually speak off the cuff about them, but they're pretty important. So just direct impact numbers, uh, there are over 95,000 permanent jobs uh, today uh, that create $3.6 billion in annual revenue for those folks uh, and $8.5 billion in annual economic activity in the state. This is a this is a big number, right? These are Absolutely. working industry professionals who do this for a living. They're not hobbyists, right? As an added bonus to those numbers, in 2015, the number was $287 million to the Texas tax base. That has gone up to $323 million this latest go-round. The line uh, for the tax uh, boon to the state is trending upwards. Now, we only have two years of data on this, but we continue. We hope to continue to see that trend go upwards. And through our efforts of building music-friendly communities that create sustainable communities around the state, we hope to right. actually be a part of seeing that that trend line continues upwards. That economic impact report is front and center on the website, and I encourage people to go check it out because not only is Texas uh, music a huge cultural export, Big time. a huge cultural contributor to the state, it also puts a a lot of people to work. 
and creates a, um, a lot of windfall to the state. It's, it's a great industry worthy of support. And maybe we'll, there probably are some classes at UT and some other schools about the music industry, but maybe over time we can even increase that as we get bigger and bigger. Well, I mean, I can rabbit hole with you on that too, because I think, I think, uh, excuse me, I think universities and colleges in the state ought to be spending a little bit more time dealing with how to build business plans in the music industry, understanding yeah. what the music industry actually is, not taking away from what they do, but adding to their curriculum so that people come out well-rounded music industry professionals and we're creating a workforce. Yeah, uh, 10 million, well, that's a slight exaggeration, but a ton of young young people want to get into the sports industry. And they there's all kinds of classes and, at different universities around the whole U.S., but there's not enough jobs for all those people. That's right. Whereas music, if we're, if we're still in an early stage and as, as if the state of Texas is pushing to help develop, we need to have the talent coming behind it to help that expand and grow even more. Yeah, and we need them to stay here, too. I mean, there's Absolutely. a there's a fantastic program, and I don't want to single one out at the expense of others, but West Texas A&M University has signed a really forward-thinking partnership contract with Belmont and Nashville that gives their students out in West Texas, out in Little Canyon, a chance to go spend time in Nashville, going to Belmont, interning with you know the, the big dogs in, in Nashville. That's great. I wish that those kids would come back and right. come to work here and start companies here or go to work for companies here. Right. Problem is, aren't as many jobs here. Right. And once they get a taste of working over there, you know, and, and establish relationships there, your best option is to go there probably. Right. So m- with Magic Wand firmly in hand, it would be great to have a series of those types of programs in the state regularly feeding industry that we're trying to build here, giving people places to land, people with real expertise about the industry. And just as a bottom line practice, we ought to be educating our music industry professionals about changes in legislation that are going to affect their bottom line. Big time. And what does it mean to have a publishing contract? What does it mean to have a publishing deal? What are the economic breakdowns there? Right. You know, all of those things that we tend to sort of, sorry, backing up new sentence, we tend to sort of in this industry blaze away and find ourselves pretty far down the field. And maybe we're having some success before we really understand the business that we've chosen to go into in the first place. So, and as we all know, there's some history of musicians being taken advantage of in the industry as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're famous stories. There are innumerable unknown stories of folks who just didn't understand the business very well, right? And and ended up being taken advantage of systemically, even if there weren't other human beings involved in their yeah. in their demise, if it will. Yeah. So, if you, as an industry professional in this state, I encourage you to spend as much time as you can on our site. And as much time as you can in outside learning and reading to really understand what it means to be a professional musician and a professional songwriter. Right. It will set yourself up for success, maybe head off some of those things of the past. Right. You bring to memory our good friend, mutual friend, Michael Clay. And I love how he works with, these are working with young kids, mm-hmm. but they come in, his program deals with schools, high schools and junior highs and et cetera, that... They don't have a music program anymore, and he helps these kids get involved in it from a from a musical perspective. But also, he educates them on the business side. I mean, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and who, man, I can't say enough good things about Michael Clay and what he's up to. Um, I think it's invaluable uh, act to go and work with kids who think that they want to be involved in the industry at a young age, and really teach them what that means. You know, it's it's an attractive thing to watch a band play as a young person and think that. That's where it's at. Right. It is. And that's what pulls a lot of people into the business is watching the people on stage. But, you know, truth be told, that's a small fraction of the business itself. 
And I'm not t- taking away from the art form of creating music. That's not really what I'm talking about right now. No, not at all. Because there can be nothing taken away from that, and there should be nothing done to cheapen that. But there are dozens of jobs, hundreds of jobs in the industry that require a great deal of expertise that you can understand and, and possibly go perform without having to be a guitar player, without having to be the songwriter. Right. And you don't want to lose people who want to be in an industry because they can't find their way. Right. It's kind of the famous old uh, iceberg analogy. Yeah. You know, you see, you see the artists at the top, but underneath the surface, there are a ton of people making, helping to make the, the, their music world successful. And having some pretty cool careers doing it. I mean, Damn that's right. for sure. Yeah. Your team, are they involved in, speaking of visibility, South by Southwest, AC, ACL, uh, Third Coast Festival, Viva Big Band? Are you involved in the big festivals that uh, hit around t- on the state? Yeah, not to wishy-washy around it. I mean, we try to have a presence as much as we can. Presence means different things at different types of events. South by Southwest is an international music and uh, interactive conference. It's a good idea for us to be involved in panels and host events during that conference. Plus, it's in our hometown. It's in our backyard. They're an invaluable part of Austin's economy. They're an invaluable part of putting Austin on the map. So we should be involved, and we're very grateful that we get to be involved. The uh, ACL is a different beast because uh, ACL, the music festival that happens in uh, October every year, is just a big, massive concert, right? So our presence there, while it might be you know, fun and we can get some networking done, doesn't change the course of that festival one iota. Correct. Um, I'm sure they appreciate us you know, being there and saying hello and that sort of thing, but it really has very little impact on you know, our reach. <clears throat> Viva B- Big Ben's the same way. We want to support every sort of uh, live music endeavor that features Texas music, we can, because partially that's our job, is to promote and, and, and say thanks for doing that, and we support you, and that sort of thing. Uh, we have looked outside the state quite a bit uh, to see how we can be a voice for Texans outside the state as they participate in other conferences, say uh, Americana Fest, yeah. uh, which is that conference that happens in September in Nashville, put on by Americana Music Association. Right, right. Uh, we will host a Texas-only showcase featuring Texas-only artists uh, each conference. We've done two, we'll have done two now after this next one. We highlight Texan artists, we highlight Texan products, uh, and we highlight the Texas Music Office message. We do that at Folk Alliance as well in Montreal this year, Key West Songwriting Fest. Ooh, um, I'll bet that's great. It's very cool. Uh, we're going to do Newport uh, Folk Festival coming up in a couple weeks. All Texas stage, talk about the Texas Music Office, talk about Texas's plan to support our music industry here. And we're just feeling it out. We want to make sure that our presence is impactful. Uh, we're getting to tell the message of you know, our office, what we seek to, seek to do for our music industry, and then highlight Texans who are out there performing and making us look good. That's great. So we're halfway through 2018, heading into 2019. Oh, man, are we really? Yeah, yeah, we're there. Uh, I know this much. We want to get through the next two months. It's a little toasty here, <laughs> over 100 degrees. Are there some high points that you're focusing on going forward in the next six to 18 months? Absolutely. I want to have our first come together, if you will, of our Texas Music Friendly Communities Chamber of Commerce. I want to have that meeting. I want to put that stake in the ground and have that done. I want to make some big announcements about some businesses that we've been working with for a couple of years to um, have uh, committed to opening satellite offices in the state. I love it. Yeah, so these will be big announcements that we'll make, uh, hopefully by uh, the end of this year, if not early the next year. So these are really big initiatives we've been working on. We've committed in a lot of time and a lot of personal uh, personal time and, and office time to making them happen, and we'd like to make some big announcements on those things this year. That's great. Yeah. Well, Brendan, I believe you mentioned earlier you've got 
three more meetings today? Yeah, I do. Uh, I tend when I when I leave the house when I when I leave uh, you know the the office. I like to have full days, and so uh, I think you've done a good job on that. <laughs> we try to fill them up. We we do try to stay really busy while we're gone and have some uh, impactful meetings with folks who we think can help uh, partner on our agendas, help move them forward, and we we stay pretty busy when we're gone. You got it. Well, thank you for coming up from Austin to visit with us here in Dallas, in Oak Cliff specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great music center of Oak Cliff. I know we've mentioned it during the course of the show, but give the our listeners maybe one more review of places where they should go, your website and et cetera, for keeping posted on what's going on with the Texas Music Office. Yeah, thanks for that opportunity. Uh, we're really proud of our new website. We've completely redesigned it and introduced it to the public. Uh, it's texasmusicoffice.com, all spelled out, texasmusicoffice.com. And through that site, you can see these core initiatives spelled out in pretty plain English. You can click through them. Right. You can find the ones that are important to you, and you can help partner with us to get some of these things done. You can also see our social channels front and center as well, and you can see those daily. We, you know, if, if you click through and you uh, sign up to follow us, you can see information come out daily about what we're up to. And please sign up for the newsletter, too, and buy a Texas Music Office uh, license plate and help put some instruments and lessons in the hands of kids who need them. We'll do it. I'm definitely online to do that. I follow awesome. you on Instagram right now, but I'm going to get the plate and get everything else going. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, Brendan, this has been a real treat. Thank you for coming coming by the studio to visit with us, and hopefully we'll see you down the road. Yeah, Doug, and let me say, you know, Texas Music Office is you know committed to being out there and, and performing these services for uh, the Texas music industry. We really need help. We really need engagement. We really need folks to know what we're doing to help us uh, do these, these things better. You know, so sign up for the industry database if you're a working musician or you've got a music industry business that needs to be uh, updated. If you look on Music Friendly Community's website and don't see your community uh, represented and you think they ought to be, reach out to us. It's really easy to find us. And, and reach out to other people in your city and see if they're feeling the same way. And if you're one that's already listed... Go be involved in those organizations. They're doing some really good things, and they've done them a very short period of time, and we think they're really important. Texas music industry is something that should absolutely be supported. It doesn't do it all on its own. So get in the fight with us. We're, we're here to help. I love it. Cool. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks again, and again, we'll see you down the road. You bet. Thanks. All right. Adios, everybody. Boy, talking with Brendan Anthony makes me feel good. The state of Texas understands the value of our music, both culturally and economically. They know it is something that can help expand the brand of Texas, and if done correctly, will significantly increase the economic impact of music to the state. In turn, it will strengthen the image of Texas music in the U.S. and beyond. I've signed up for the newsletter and a license plate. In addition, we will make sure that the Dogger and Muddy Music Show is listed in the Texas Music Office's resource page on their website. As I started editing this show for publication, the temperature in Dallas was at 107 degrees. And according to weather apps, it felt like 114 degrees outside. I can testify to those of you not from Texas, it is damn hot. But I wondered, is it hot enough to cook an egg on the sidewalk? The answer is no. To cook an egg, it has to be 158 degrees. Even at these current Dallas temperatures, you can't cook an egg on the sidewalk. Now, based on my research, it is my impression that I should be able to cook an egg right now on the hood of my car. Am I going to do that? No. I have no interest in cooking an egg on my car because it's hot as hell outside. I don't want to do that. I may live in Texas, but I'm not nuts. 
I ain't going out there, and neither is my Chocolate Lab co-host, Muddy. <laughs> Just so you are aware, I still have early stage prostate cancer. It has not gone away. This past week and this week, I'm going through procedures so that I will be ready to start my radiation treatments at the end of the month. I'm doing more research on prostate cancer and will share more details on my situation with you over the next few weeks. Hey, isn't the story of Texas music great? Find some time this summer to pull it up on your car radio, on a CD, a vinyl record, and attend a concert or two or three. Till next time, Muddy and I wish you the best. For ongoing updates, follow Dogger and Muddy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time, adios. I cannot feel a speak. Punches underwater. Drifting in the open sea. Or is this a dream? Cannot see over me. Trust is to falter and to taste to receive. Is this a dream? I won't hurt.